Donna Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the teen, your Tilo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the low and your Tilo, Lorenzo Marquez, my lovely husband. Hello. And we're back after a little break. We decided yeah. not to record over the holiday weekend, uh, Labor Day weekend. Um, so if you missed us, we missed you too. Actually, yeah. we were sitting here for 10 minutes wondering why we sound so loud in these microphones. And then we realized, oh, we probably just aren't used to hearing our voices and microphones. Anyway, we have stuff to discuss. Uh, we always do. We always do. First off, it's a crazy, crazy, crazy time for us right now. And I mean this in an absolutely, isn't Wonderful this awesome? Way, yeah. yeah, it's not a complaining way. But um, we had the VMAs this weekend and the Met Gala on Monday. We're supposed to write pieces for Cosmopolitan on both of them. The night of, those pieces always get filed the night of. And then, of course, there'll be a week's worth of coverage. And then we're heading straight into the Emmys, and it's the same thing, where we have to do a Cosmo piece the night of, and then a full week. So it's like the next two weeks. Busy, busy, busy. Plus... We're doing a not this. This is not going to be public facing, but just so you know, there are things we do sometimes that aren't public facing. We're doing a corporate talk uh, later in the month, and we've been preparing for that. At a you know, we've done these more than once. We've also done them for colleges, but we're doing a corporate talk on diversity and on supporting your employees coming out and it's this very big very corporate financial services company and um so you know that's going on yeah it's interesting yeah it's there's a couple magazine pitches there's the i just had a big breakthrough on on the work we're doing on our next book proposal where you know something and it was the same thing with legendary children where uh when the framework snaps into place which is what happened this week you feel like that's it. That's that's the book we're right, going to right. write. So that's very exciting. But again, not really getting into that because it, it 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 always goes back to to me at least that uh, when we first when we did the first book and then you know in your head if you don't have experience dealing with publishers and everything you always think that you type the whole thing and you hand them you hand them the manuscript no. and that's the end of it. No, there's so much going on. Like, I can't there's so many discussions. Fi- and, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's I can't, a process. Uh, what I wanted to say is I can't speak to fiction writing because I've never done it. But, right. Uh, so I couldn't talk about what it's like to write a novel. And I do know people who are novelists who actually do sit down and write the whole thing out that way. But we do nonfiction books, cultural essay type books, and um, they require a framework. They require a serious right. framework. And you have to have that framework in position uh, before you really start writing the book. Otherwise, you're just sort of writing blind and hoping it all comes together. And I can say from experience, don't do it that way. That's not, in my experience, that's not the best way to do it. Right. All right. So we're going to, it's funny because a lot of people predicted we were going to do a uh, a podcast on this topic. Um, we heard a lot of people on Twitter say, oh, I can't wait to hear your podcast this week. And we're going to fulfill your request and also probably disappoint you at the same time because we're going to take this podcast, hopefully, in a different direction than expected. One of the things I kind of hate that sometimes creeps into our coverage because it's very difficult not to is the people were mean to us on social media, you know, rants or <laughs> newsletters or stuff like that. I told Lorenzo, I might have mentioned it on this podcast that I have started and dropped a draft for our newsletter called Confessions of a Blue Check because I wanted to talk about how your perspective as an account that, um, well, I mean, I think a lot of the 
the criticism of blue checks and the ranting and raving against blue checks is not particularly warranted. It's, it is not the popularity contest you think it is, but, and there are no benefits to it, not really, except you are likely to get more engagement on your tweets than, than someone who isn't a blue check. Right. And I didn't create that situation or anything like that. And I'm not saying it's correct. And I think when you, when you verified and, and they, I think th- their disagreement is stronger when you verified for some reason. Well, that's the other thing. You get a huge backlash to your stuff yeah. because you have that blue check. Uh, th- and this actually happened to us. Actually, this has been happening to us a lot this month. I will say <laughs> the Outlander joke that Lorenzo made, which we talked about before, oh my God. that was a deliberate poking of the bear. And uh, we had a just take, I mean, I had my fill of it after about three days, but um, for the most part, we accepted that that was going to come our way. Yeah, and I'm not going to explain Tried to shrug that off. No, we're not even getting into that. And then I don't even know if you saw the John Stewart one. You were so busy yeah, yeah, working because yeah, I, 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 I saw yours. Deleted it within an hour because I was like, "This response to this is completely insane." Yeah, I saw it. I John saw Stewart it. has a new um, show sure. coming out, and one of these days, maybe I'll do a whole rant about why I think he's a very good guy. I actually do, and I think he's an important figure in early two thousands television sort of history, cultural history. But uh, as a political figure, I have always had problems with Jon Stewart, the way he talks about politics, and I feel that he has actually done some damaging things to our politics inadvertently. Um, he has promoted complacency, let's put it that way. Uh, and but, surprise, surprise, well, and Twitter I didn't, didn't like that. But I didn't even say any of that. <laughs> they announced his new show, and I said I have my doubts that he is going to be an effective right. political pundit in 2021, because Jon Stewart never saw... Trump coming like there was never and he wasn't around for any of it when it was happening. And the political landscape now is so different from when it was, you know, when Barack Obama got elected that I just don't know that he's going to have much to say. That's really all I said. I didn't call him an asshole or anything like that. And the insane, it is insane no. level of personal attacks that came down on us mm-hmm. for what was not a personal attack against him. Uh, again, though, this isn't, oh, boohoo, people were mean to me on Twitter. I just deleted that and moved on because it really wasn't that important to me. Now, maybe you know where this is all going. There was, because, it, well, we wound up once again quoted the Newsweek on a topic we did not really want to be quoted on. Um, John Mulaney, the comic, who I will want to say right here that, and you can back me up on this, I don't think I've seen more than five minutes of him. I'm uh, not a fan. and I don't hate, I have no thoughts on him. I watch... 15 minutes of his uh, special on Netflix and didn't like it and turn it off. He, it just wasn't, he just wasn't for me. I have mm-hmm. no actual criticisms of him, but at the same time, I got so annoyed when all of this was cast as us defending him. And I'm like, no, 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 this has nothing to do with him. I'm sorry. That was my coffee cup in the background. Um, John Mulaney, uh, who's sort of this good guy comic who talked about, who had a, you know, a really good career talking a lot about his own marriage and and just basically what a good guy he was bringing people in. he also was very open about the fact that he had a long history of substance abuse mm-hmm. which at the time of his stand-ups he had overcome there was a relapse last year he went into rehab then um he announced that he was divorcing his wife and then there were rumors that he was with olivia munn uh the actress olivia munn and there was this weird sort of backlash to it. And then over the weekend, um, page six, New York Post posted a uh, really shitty. I mean, it was 
It's page six. It's shitty paparazzi photos of Olivia Munn. I think she was walking through a parking garage or something in sweats in which it was fairly clear that she was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I mean, they were breaking a story here. No one knew uh, that she was pregnant. And, you know, the implication in everybody's minds right away was that John Mulaney was the father because they were rumored to be together. Um, and then later this week, John Mulaney did a, um, an appearance on, I believe, Seth Meyers, where he talked, he, yeah, they're, they're going to have a baby. Um, the Im- initial outcry on social media was um, over the top in the manner of social media. And I can say in all honesty, the um, Outlander joke, we saw that coming. The Jon Stewart thing, I was like, well, that's my thought. I shouldn't have gotten involved in politics. This didn't see coming. (laughs) Did not see coming at all. One thing I've learned on on, uh, about Twitter and social media is that uh, everybody has a lot of fans. Anybody has yes, a lot of fans. Yes, and I should have I should have known this. <laughs> I had no idea people loved him so much. I, so, I, was, okay. I was shocked. I tweeted early on last Saturday morning. It was like 8.30 in the morning because all night long people were just so angry with him for leaving his wife and right. having a baby with this other woman. Um, which is, you know... In perspective, one of the oldest stories in Hollywood gossip history. I mean, it, right. I mean, there are so right. many right. Right. stories like this. And yes, we eat these stories up. We call them out. You know, that Brad Pitt was a bastard. Ben Affleck was a bastard. I get all of that. I'm not here to claim that you there's something wrong with engaging with celebrity gossip or getting, you know, that sort of thing. But the tenor of a lot of the comments that I was seeing on social media was overwrought to the extent that it was occasionally disturbing. Like, this is not your boyfriend. This is... And there were people saying this. And not just... And before I... We were accused of going after women because so much of this stuff was women. But I'm sorry. Every time that charge gets levied at us, I'm like, okay, do you not understand that gay men and women intersect at almost every section of pop culture? Like, every part of pop culture that women traditionally have been interested in romance novels um chick flicks uh fashion gossip mm-hmm. gay men are right there we've always been side by side on these things so when i'm saying something as a gay man as a gay male critic that's because i'm engaged with this stuff and my readership is engaged with this stuff it's not about me attacking women because believe me i saw plenty of gay men who were having similarly overwrought reactions on social media what i would classify as overwrought mm-hmm and I, I'm sorry, I will... No, but I, I do... Go ahead. Yeah, I'm just doing setup, and then I'm going to toss to you, because I really want your thoughts. I'm not trying to... But so I tweeted, you know, um, John Mulaney is not your friend. Uh, he, parasocial relationships are uh, with celebrities are bad for everyone, or something like that. And the backlash was immediate, and it was harsh, and it was whatever. I did it. My Part of my job is to be out on Twitter offering opinions on the culture and the zeitgeist, and this comes with it. So I'm not here to whine about any of that, although some of it was full-on cray. <laughs> I will start, I will say that the in the manner of all tweets, my tweet was imprecise in the sense that not all parasocial relationships are bad, and I shouldn't have been absolutist in this statement, because... If you are thinking Ben Affleck is an asshole for the way he treated Jennifer Garner, that is a form of parasocial relationship. Um, What I was talking about was the kind of 
overly emotive response right, right. that sounds like someone who cannot distinguish between a relationship with a real person and a relationship with a celebrity, which is the original uh, definition of parasocial uh, relationships as it was developed back in the 1950s. It's when a person cannot tell the difference emotionally between a relationship with a media figure and a relationship with a person in their own life. Um, that is what I was referring to. I was not referring to every single reaction. But Twitter, because of Twitter, there's something called context collapse. There's an, uh, a writer who used to write for the New York Times, Charlie Warzel, who now has a very popular substack called Galaxy Brain. And he's talked about context collapse on Twitter. And he's helped me understand. I, I don't get over... Um, I don't get upset when these things blow back on me because I realize over time... These people are reading, uh, the larger a tweet gets, the more people get engaged with it. Because it, it it turned into like a 13,000-like tweet with several thousand retweets. Um, which is not historic numbers, but it's just enough to make your life annoying for a few days. And the larger a tweet gets, the more the context gets removed from that tweet. And every right. subsequent person who was responding to it is further and further, is responding to something further and further away from your actual right. it, point. It's a response. Um, to a response to, to a, a response, response. And, and at that point on, you're yeah. like i'm done yeah um what i want to talk about is my understanding of parasocial our understanding of parasocial uh, relationships with celebrities and media figures and how it has intersected because again a lot of people were sneering on social media this week oh everybody learned the term no no it's this has been part of yeah. my professional life and and for a while and I can trace our profet from, we started as fan bloggers and then moved over to being cultural critics, professional authors, professional podcast. So I actually understand where, you know, where that line is. And I have actually spent most, we have spent most of our careers moving away from that line of having, like our coverage of, par of say a show like Project Runway Now is way less intense and emotional right, right, than right. it was 15 years right. ago when we started because it was from a perspective of... It was a every, fan blog. Yeah, yeah, everything Nina said was amazing. Everything Heidi wore was ridiculous. Everything Tim said was hard. You know, because you're a fan and you're writing to other fans. So believe me, we do not misunderstand this. Okay, I'm going to slow down here and mm -hmm. why don't you offer your thoughts on everything I've said so far? If uh, you don't mind being put on the spot. No, it's just... It, first of all, I... I Social media and Twitter has been a great lesson in a way for me. Um, and I, in the beginning, I used to get into fights with everybody. Uh, that was many, many years ago. Now I, I, now I, every time I tweet something, I, I, I really question. I'm both like, is, is it worth it? You know, yeah. am, can I take the, can I take the, the, the backlash? Can right. I take the, the storm coming my way? Uh, and I, and I avoid, and I also avoid tweeting before I go to bed because, or late at night, because Same you, here. you wake up and then my God. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't deny that there is a certain excitement when suddenly the engagement on your tweet is yeah. much more than you expected. But my experience is that because you have a certain number of followers, uh, when you tweet something in the beginning, it's always positive uh, or they tend to agree with you. Not always, but most yeah. of the time. And, and then, then it turns. And then it turns because it's like people and it's like your friends looking at it and then all of a sudden people in the street are looking at it. Right. Right. <laughs> and they don't know you and, and they have opinions. Yeah. I said a couple of weeks ago that it's like a rule on Twitter when a tweet gets more than 2,000 likes, the tone shifts and it's suddenly more of a who do you think you are? Like mm -hmm. like the author of the tweet now has to justify why so many people like it. 
uh, and the tone shifts once that happens. Right, right, right. This is one of those confessions of a blue check thing where um, I don't think people... Listen, I'm not asking anyone to feel sorry for me, but uh, I am on Twitter professionally. This is not our private or personal account. It is, uh, we are a media brand, and like any publication, we feel that we have to be on social media daily, interacting, Mm -hmm. sending out opinion. That's part of our job, so. I think the hardest part for me, and I'm still learning, I'm not going to lie, is that I I can take anything you want to say, but when you misunderstand what I said, or misrepresent what I said. That's when I have an issue with you. Um, when you you clearly just using my tweet to to talk about something that has nothing to do with what I what I just said. Right. That drives me crazy um, because then you look like an asshole, and then and and then they start complaining about things that they're more about them, their own issues. Yeah. Then you tweet itself. So that bothers me and I'm still working on it. <clears throat> Excuse me. That's why sometimes I, I tweet something and I delete because I'm like, I'm, I, you know, I really don't need but this like right I now. Said, I don't want I, I, No, I, no. It, yeah, this is I not did, about us complaining about tweets. I did want to uh, set that up as sort of the context of what we're talking about. And it is not going to be people are mean on Twitter. Um, to, I, to most people, Twitter, you know. They're not engaged with it the way we are because, like I said, this is part of our job and it has to be done that way. But before we move into the larger topic, let's talk about our socks again because yeah. you know how much I love to talk about my Bombas socks. Lots of things can make your workouts hard. Extra resistance, double speed, one more mile. Your socks shouldn't, though. That's why Bombas Performance Socks are built to be nothing but comfortable. 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 <laughs> with my mayor of uh, Easttown accent. Comfortable. Have some water. And supportive. Bombas Performance Socks have taken all the amazing innovations that make Bombas the most comfortable socks you've ever worn and added their special Hextech Performance technology. Bombas Performance Socks are stitched with special moisture wicking yarn and temperature regulating vents that allow cool air to flow in and prevent overheating. They come with a pillow-like tab to save you from blisters, stay-up technology, a special arch-hugging system, and an extra layer of cushiony comfort on the bottom for the perfect amount of support. If you cannot tell from all of that copy, these are extremely yeah. well designed. Designed it, it, socks. They're amazing. They're amazing. And I've said this before. You might think the term well-designed socks sounds a little silly. And then you I'm, you get them and you're like, all right, well, yes, now I can see why they're well-designed. Like they they snap to shape on your foot. They give you great um, right. uh, arch support. There's no seam across the toe. Uh, they're sturdy. They're colorful. They never lose their color. I just love them. They I've said this many, many, many a time. I wear them every day. My entire sock drawer is right. nothing. It's Bombas dress, dress socks, athletic socks, crew socks, every I kind of sock. When you put a, when, when you put them on, it's like they're hugging you, and I'm not joking. Yeah, you, you can feel the support, and and it, you know, it's the perfect fit. It is, and like all their socks, for every pair of Bombas performance socks you buy, they donate a pair to someone in need. They've donated over 45 million pairs so far. So. Go to bombas.com slash T-L-O and get 20% off your first order. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash T-L-O for 20% off. Bombas.com slash T-L-O. All right. So back to don't really want to talk about John Mulaney. He was just something... He set it off because I saw people acting in an overly emotional way that was just kind of dreary and weird. Um, it's interesting, and I wonder if it has to do with the fact that he is a comedian. That you know, most most comedians when they do a show or whatever, they they 
tend to talk about their personal uh, experiences and stuff, even if they're fake or whatever, you know, but they... they, they All m- comedians do. Yeah, they make it look like they're talking about themselves and, right. and being very open and, and honest about their own issues. So I, I wonder if it has to do with that, the fact that uh, apparently in the past he said he didn't want children, that, you know, all the issues and blah, 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 and now he's married to somebody else or with somebody else and having a baby. Yeah. yeah. But like I, I mean, what are, I, I think it's a larger thing than him, and I, I just don't want to get into it because people right. think you're defending it. I don't care about him. Uh, when people kept saying, oh, you know, they would compare it to other celebrity breakups and, you know, as a way of defending their overly emotional response. Like, well, if you didn't feel this way about, you know, Ben and Jennifer or whatever, why are you feeling this way? And I'm sitting there thinking, why is there no room for my position, which is I didn't have an emotional reaction to any of these celebrity Mm -hmm. breakups. Like, when Ben and Jennifer Garner broke up, I was like, well, that's a shame. Or whatever, you know, when Brad Pitt and Angelina broke up, I, you know, I didn't have an emotional reaction to any of them because I don't do that. Now, I get it. There's a sense of superiority when I say something like that, and I really do want to back off this idea. But uh, this idea that I feel that my way is the superior way, what I really want to say is my way is not actually being discussed at all in these discussions about parasocial relationships. I've read a lot of pieces this week that blew up because of this discussion, because we were not the only one that used the term. And right, right. I'm sorry, I used it correctly. That is what that is. When you're having that much of an emotional reaction to a celebrity's... And you know what? This wasn't even to the news of a celebrity's divorce. It was to pictures of a woman you assumed were pregnant. That is what I'm talking about. That is, like, it's not like he came out and made an announcement. And that's right, right, right. Everyone re- reacted this way to paparazzi pictures. And it was all about, oh, my God, his poor wife. And he's such an asshole. And I, I mean, there were tweets. And they got wildly retweeted from people who were like, every bad thing that any man ever did to me, I'm putting on John Mulaney right, right. now. And I'm focusing all my rate. And okay you're free to do whatever you want but like me and my opinions on twitter you have to take whatever like you can express how i express well then i can look at the way you're acting and saying you know what this is not good i think i think it has a lot to do with how we do things and what we do we do talk a lot about celebrities and and a lot of people on twitter were saying well you guys have been you know, you, you being hypocrite here because, you know, very hypocritical about the whole thing because um, you talk about celebrities. So, you you know, you're interested in celebrities and everything. I am interested in celebrities. I am. I, I, I'm interested in the, how they dress. I'm interested in what they do, how, how well they perform, you know, what the TV shows, movies, everything. I'm interested in their I'm just not obsessed with them that there's a difference. And, um, and it's interesting because I think with social media, with more accessibility to a lot of things images on instagram and everything i mean look at kyle uh jenner her fans found out she was pregnant because they were looking at the uh nail polish that and that is a parasocial relationship right. that you have with a celebrity and i'm not saying that's in and of itself a bad thing to do like it can be fun to to right. really get into the nitty-gritty of i thought i saw the tiktok about her her nail polish and i thought it was really funny i thought it was really right. funny I that mean, someone they, figured that out <laughs> right based on the pictures uh anyway but um I lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Um, yeah. But I, I do find it interesting that fans are, are you know, in a way they're engaged. Uh, I, I do remember talking, uh, and this has really helped me. Uh, I was, we talked, I, I was talking to the fuck girls. I was t- about, 
um, that whole thing with social media, Twitter, and and people engaged. And I forget who said. I think it was Jessica. She said, you know, they're very passionate. And I kept that, uh, and I never forgot that because I tried to keep that in mind, right? Uh, and not overanalyze or judge them too much uh, for being so aggressive towards me when I have something to say about one of their fans, right? Okay. I mean, one of their idols. This is what the point I was trying to make, which is that it's not a judgmental thing um, about being, you know, involved. I, I will answer that point about the the, the dumb. I'm sorry. I thought it was a really absurd response that people kept coming back with. Your um, your business model is based right. on parasocial relationships, and if you're forming parasocial relationships based on red carpet coverage, I gotta say that's on you, not not me. I mean, our coverage is not about their private lives. It's not about getting. I mean, we can enthusiastically support someone, or de- right. like when when. We don't really cover Johnny Depp anymore, but the last few times we covered him, we were very open about the fact that we thought he was very sleazy. And so, I, I mean, but that's not our business model. Our business model is actually quite the opposite. It's always, always, since we wrote our first book, it's seven years ago, which this is what the book was about. It is about how celebrities manipulate image and manipulate fandoms. And all of our red carpet coverage has always been about image making, about what message they are trying to send through their red carpet appearances, not about what kind of people they are morally, ethically, or personally. Not really. Right. Um, we can say that, you know, J-Lo is, is attention-seeking, but that's based on her public actions. That's not based on something her ex-boyfriend told a tabloid or whatever. You know, I'm just throwing stuff out there. So I, I reject the idea that any celebrity coverage is... Because you might as well say film critics are fostering parasocial relationships. That's not how it works. Right. Gossip blogs, yes. They do form, they are, their business model is on forming these sort of, on getting people outraged or excited over the personal developments of celebrities' lives. But that has not been our business model ever, like mm. not ever. Um, so I reject the idea that if you write about celebrities, then you are um, encouraging parasocial rela- or have them yourself. Um, I want to tell a story about early, early, early in our blogging in, yeah, in our blogging career. And this was one of the first times I really understood. This goes all the way back 15 years ago. I don't think I've ever really talked about who our inspirations were in our early days. We've talked about the Fug Girls. But um, prior to uh, starting our, and then there was Perez Hilton and D-Listed. And actually, we wanted to make sure that we weren't like them, mm-hmm. partially because we just didn't want to be like that. They were like the bitchy gay uh, gossip bloggers, and that's not what we wanted to be. Although they were very influential at the time. But I started reading blogs. There were two types of blogs that I started reading, and they weren't pop culture blogs. They were political blogs, which were at the time were mostly written by men, and cooking blogs, which were at the time were mostly written by women. And Pioneer Woman was one of the first blogs I ever read, mm-hmm. and I, I can't stand her now, but... I was deeply impressed back when I first read her at her ability to create a character out of herself and right. and tell stories using that through her blogging. I thought it was a really fascinating thing to watch. She was really the first influencer. The second one that I really read a lot was Deb Perlman, who writes Smitten Kitchen. And I'm talking about her because I actually told this story when we were doing... Um, the rounds of a bunch of publishing houses pitching our first book, which was about celebrity. And I talked about, I never met her. I never talked to her. I never emailed her. I never commented on her site, but I read her every single day. And when she made an announcement that she was pregnant, 
with her first child. Now, this is going back. I mm-hmm. think her first child is probably, you know, 12 or 13 now. <laughs> when she announced on her blog, I was I had this immediate emotional reaction like, oh, my God, that's so wonderful. I'm so happy for her. And at, at the time, I remembered what her husband's name was because she used to mention him and her. And I stopped myself in that moment. And I was like, OK, that's weird <laughs> um, for me. It was, I never, ever forgot it. And has always been part of my idea of blogging was that my understanding of blogging was that moment, that understanding that uh, a lot of the best early bloggers, and we have based ourselves on this, established a voice and a sort of persona about themselves. Now, we don't talk about our personal lives on, on our blog, except to maybe mention our cats' names or to say that we're going on vacation. But we don't really talk about the ins and outs of our personal life. But they t- that that moment with Deb and, and her announcement taught me the value of having that voice and having that connection with your audience so that they feel mm. connected, while at the same time sort of backing away from it and realizing that it was illusory. So I have this push-pull thing, and mm-hmm. I've always had it from a professional perspective. I did not make that tweet about John Mulaney and about parasocial relationships because I wanted to scold people. Uh, online, although I completely understand why it looks that way. From and if you disagree and you think I sound well, whatever you're allowed to disagree. Um, I was talking about something that has affected our whole careers from the time we started all the way up until the present day. You, we have always had to deal with rabid fandoms, and it's not just Outlander; it's Kristen Stewart fans, and and. Um, oh, my God, Norman Reedus fans. Remember the days and days and days of getting slammed by Norman <laughs> Reedus fans and Tom Hardy fans? Like, practically anyone you can name yes. has a rabid fandom surrounding them. That. Yeah. And they will attack you if you say his pants look silly or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, just because right. we, we write about them and suddenly we get these crazy responses. It has been part of our working life for 15 years. And... We have, like I said, we have this sort of push pull with it because I can't stand it. It drives me nuts. And I don't have a lot of respect for people who act that way online. I don't, I'm just going to be very blunt. If you're screaming at people because they don't love the celebrity that you love in the way that you love them, I have no respect for it. And I won't pretend that I do. Right. And there were a lot of pieces. I just read one in Vox today that just made me so angry because it was all about supporting the idea that, no, no, these sorts of overly emotional responses are normal and good. And while I would admit that they are increasingly normal, the fact that they're increasing is I don't feel is good. And it was why I brought it up. It has to go back to what I like to call a sort of pop culture literacy and how it's fading in our culture as fandoms and stan culture has become normalized and it has Mm -hmm. it has become completely across the board normalized what is the mcu the marvel cinematic universe but a whole fandom that has sort of metastasized um so we have as fandom has become more normalized as stan culture we have started uh uh normalizing behavior that isn't actually all that healthy you know engagement with celebrity figures that just isn't healthy and you know what you're allowed to be as unhealthy as you want but when you're constantly foisting your anger and you're shrieking and you're brigading on people who blaspheme against the thing that you love i'm allowed to say you know what this is bad what you're doing is bad it's not good for the culture you shouldn't accept it 
you know. I don't accept it. Yeah. Even though there are a lot of culture writers this week who are like, no, no, parasocial relationships are good and normal. And I'm like, mm-hmm. how is that good and normal? It's First not. of all, it's not. You, A, it, it's, it goes to the very basic of the relationship between an idol and, and a fan. You don't know these people. Bingo. You don't know these people. You watch. You Even know, when they tell you their stories, they are telling you yes, stories. You don't know these people. You have to understand that celebrities are always hours or days ahead of you. What you get is a version of their lives right. 24 hours prior to right. what... By that, I mean everything was planned, everything was calculated, everything was talked over and over and over again with their publicists, with their... With their Everybody. Right. Uh, whatever they say, whatever decision they make, when you see them out on the street, when you see Ben Affleck with Jennifer Lopez holding hands and wearing white or whatever, it all has a meaning and a message. Right. Um, very calculated one that they spent hours. They have people thinking about the things behind them. Right. Um, making those decisions for them, telling them what to do and why they should say so. So this is the version of the people you, you worship. It's not the real people. I made this point to you this week about, um, I said, you know, there's been a period, we're going through a period right now where we're assessing sort of the culture of the aughts, the pop culture of the aughts, and for instance, how people like Britney Spears were treated and so on. Um, And there's been a lot of backlash against people like uh, Perez Hilton. Right, right. For the way he acted back then. And I don't defend it because, like I said, we modeled ourselves on not being him. We went in the opposite direction deliberately because we did feel he was acting reprehensibly. But I said to you, I was like, say what you will about that period of blogging, but there was a healthy cynicism endemic to it it was everybody who was doing like delisted and and Mm -hmm. and all of them laney gossip who was a lot harsher back then um there was a healthy cynicism about celebrity everything was approached with this idea the cynical undertone to it Mm -hmm. and i understand that we you know overt cynicism is probably no better than overt uh credulousness but um, I still think it's a healthier response than overt credulousness. Part, to go back to the original tweet, um, it wasn't just the John Mulaney thing. It was Jessica Chastain and um, Oscar right. Isaac had a viral moment on the Venice Film Festival red card. It was super charming. And it was. It was red hot because Oscar Isaac can turn that on. He knows how to do it. And where he kissed, he gave her this smoldering look and then kissed her arm. Uh, in front of a wall of international press in outfits that they both spent hours getting ready mm-hmm. to put on. There and, was nothing... Uh, I mean, the moment was as spontaneous as a moment can be in a setting that staged and that phony. I'm not... Suge- I wasn't suggesting that this was some sort of planned thing. But there was this overtly credulous response from people who were like, well, my God, aren't they both married to other people? There were hundreds and hundreds of these tweets. What's the name of the movie they're promoting? Scenes from a Marriage, which is a limited series. It's not a movie. It's a TV series. Well, it's a TV series. Sorry. Yes. Um, um, So, yeah. That was my, again, I don't think it's a good idea to be that naive about what's deliberate. Like, if your first thought was, oh, my God, are they cheating? You are completely ignoring the fact that this is a press event, that it is completely staged, that that they spent hours putting it together, that they are both actors and they can act at the drop of a mm-hmm. hat. Like, you're just dropping all of that and saying, oh, my God, they're cheating on their 
spouse. And believe me, I saw plenty of those responses, which right. again is what I was responding to. And of course, context collapse and, and Twitter being what it is, people thought that I was yelling at anybody who reacted to that moment. Because even I, even we tweeted when it happened that it was a very hot moment. Right, right. And she had to come out with a statement saying they're friends. They were just joking. Because people were like, yeah. oh, my God. Oh, and I'm like, oh, my God. Like, that's I don't want to be overly serious about this. But in my opinion, because pop culture, this is why pop culture fascinates me so much is because it happens alongside history and it reflects history. Um, a lot of legendary children was the book was based on that. And the book that we're currently working on is based on this idea that you can talk about pop culture in the context of what's going on around it, because it reflects what's going on around it. It's not unimportant. It is important. So I'm about to make a connection that might sound a little overly dramatic. But in my opinion, this this total credulousness, this lack of cynicism when it comes to approaching celebrities and their storytelling and their image making, which is they are doing twenty four seven. Yes, this I, the fact that people aren't as tuned into this as they should be. It is part and parcel of the um, the media illiteracy that's infecting our country in such a way that uh, people aren't following reputable news sources anymore. People right. are more susceptible to conspiracy theories. It's, it is connected. The fact that people won't get vaccinated because they don't trust the government or the fact that people are, are yelling at each other online because they think the earth is flat or whatever, silly, stupid, QAnon, all of that stuff. It is not unconnected. It is a similar phenomenon playing out on a much more benign playing field. But this idea that you can look at any celebrity as your friend to to confuse your emotional responses with real ones. And again, we talked, I think I talked to you about this. Remember when uh, the SAG Awards, what was it like two years ago when... um, um, that those famous pictures of Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston backstage yes, and yes, Evan yes. and I will admit I had an emotional reaction to those pictures like oh my god that's so romantic right part of that was because the picture where he grasped her wrist really was it was just well composed a lot of it was because I am their generation so there is something of this watching old friends get back together idea in your you know that sort of thing but I can honestly say that was a fleeting emotional response and then it dropped i did mm-hmm. not you know it wasn't sustained for any length of time and it's the same thing when i don't know probably when brad and jennifer broke up i was probably like oh man that's a shame right, or right. chadwick boseman died and that was the last time i cried when a celebrity died and but i can honestly say i yes i was having an emotional reaction uh to a celebrity's you know death but I wasn't confusing it with what it was like, I don't know, when my father died. You know what I mean? I, it wasn't the same level. My reaction to Chadwick Boseman dying was, oh, my God, this is going to hurt right. for so many of his young fans. And, oh, my God, he had so much more to offer. It wasn't the kind of emotional response like I would have with someone I know dying, where I would actually feel that loss in my life. Mm-hmm. So I'm able to make that, I don't know. And I, I know this sounds obnoxious, I, and I apologize if it does, because what basically what I'm saying is my way is the healthy way, and the way everybody else is doing it is not the healthy way. I think I think it's a learning process, because if you look at how celebrities presented themselves back in the 40s and 50s and even 60s, um, it was 
red carpet presence and or stage photos of their homes with their family. Everything was staged. There was right. nothing real. Their romances you, were staged. Yes. You didn't see the real uh, celebrity, the real star back mm-hmm. then. Now they're pretty much inviting you to their homes, to their lives with TikTok, with, with Instagram, posting right. pictures, um, posting videos. They have videos. much more control over their story than they used to back when publicists were writing yeah, their stories. But at the same time, it makes it more personal with that much uh, presence with, with TikTok. I agree. With, 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 you know, with them showing their family, their dogs, uh, taking a shower, uh, doing their hair, makeup. Right. This becomes very personal for someone who's a fan. And, and and harder to separate the the art from the, the real person, I right. think. Um, so it, it is something that people maybe are still learning, but the reaction so far, and I think it's it's very common in, in, in on the internet um, in general, people, the way people respond to things. I mean, you go everywhere is the same type of aggressive, very radical uh, behavior. And a lot of this is probably they pandemic align with you, yes. A lot of it is people are really stressed out and tense because the blowback on our tweet was, I mean, we had to block yeah. a lot of people because it was just so over the top. Um, I still left at my tweet. Your Outlander tweet. I yeah. thought it was hysterical. And uh, it had not, I, this is the only thing I'm going to say because I refuse to explain my tweet. It had nothing to do with vaccination. So right. anyway. Um, people are going to read what they read. Like yes. I said, it's context collapse on on. On, oh, here's something I want to talk about. That's right. This is Twitter-based. This is one of those confessions of a blue check thing. But I would never, ever say this on Twitter because the blowback would be so extreme. But I'm going to say it now. Um, a lot of the responses we would get from the either the John Mulaney tweet or the Jessica Chastain tweet, because they were both in, in a thread, was basically saying... I'm not seeing anything but people just enjoying it. I'm not seeing this. I'm not seeing what you're seeing. And like I said, my timeline, our timeline was loaded with mm-hmm. people having yeah. over the top reactions. And in every case, when someone said, I'm not seeing, or they would say something like, we know it's not blah, 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 but you know, we know he's not our friend and blah, blah, blah. We're just enjoying this bit of gossip or whatever. And in every instance, I would click on their profile. And I say this without judgment, because Twitter is not everybody's job. And if you're not into Twitter, that probably makes you a smart person. But in every instance, it was someone who had double or maybe triple digit followers, double, maybe triple digit following. Um, Meaning they're less exposed. They are far less. We have 90,000 followers. We follow 3,000 people. So our combined follow following follower following is 93 94,000 people we are getting a much bigger slice mm-hmm. of twitter than someone whose combined following is maybe 500 right that doesn't make you a bad person that doesn't even make you bad at twitter it just means when you say things like no it's not i'm not seeing any of this i just want to turn around and say because you literally are not seeing it. your timeline is no more than 150 people or whatever right. my timeline is 3000 and every time i tweet 90000 accounts are looking at it or potentially so the responses that you get when you mm-hmm. and i know this I would never say this on Twitter because people would make would think that I mean that I'm more important or that there's some burden or whatever for having. And I don't even consider my uh, we're not a high ranking no, 90,000 followers no. is not a no. lot. But you ask anybody who has over 10,000 followers, once you get over a certain point, your your 
experience of Twitter becomes completely different from those people who, from the vast majority of people who only have a couple hundred followers might be following a couple hundred people. That's the vast majority of Twitter, but you're not seeing the slice of it that I'm seeing. And I can't turn around and say that to people on Twitter because it sounds like blue check obnoxiousness. You know what I mean? Like, it's not that I'm more important, but I am seeing things that you're not. So when I'm commenting on it, I'm commenting on those vast portions of Twitter that you don't see. Uh, And instead of arguing with me or claiming that it's not happening, I mean, I've done the opposite where I've been in the opposite position where some really big account, someone who's got 800,000 followers, a million followers, tweet something. And I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And then I'll stop and go, you know what? I, I'm not seeing what they're saying, right. but maybe they're right. I, I totally understand. And I, I think it makes more sense when you when you angrily uh, reply to something that a celebrity said as a statement, because it's it's real. Right. It's something that they said, you know, it's out there. So you can have a bad reaction. But when you when it's all this, you just this fantasy in your head about things that might be happening based right. on a picture that that that's just to me that's going too far not only that but the constant defense of but he talked about his wife and his stand-up and he talked about his you know they didn't want kids and, blah, blah, blah. and i'm just like what the hell this is what i mean about cultural illiteracy it's like well why did you take that as that faith he's not someone telling you his life story it's an literally called an act Mm -hmm. and like most comics he spent probably months sometimes years building that act and write writing and rewriting jokes and pulling things out and putting things in how don't take that as as who his real life so many comics i mean most really popular comics get up and tell personal versions of themselves. Like everyone, Richard Pryor, Robin Williams, Joan Rivers, they all did it. But, and I brought this up, I was like, you know, Joan Rivers used to rag on her husband all the time in her in her comedy, all the time. And then he killed himself. And even then, people understood that it wasn't, one wasn't... real. No one made the assumption that one was related to the other, that he right. killed himself because she was mean to him. Because... I think prior to the 21st century, there was an un- there was a better understanding that things like acts are actual acts. They're not they're not life stories. It's the same reason why you see people get upset about characters that are not doing morally. Right. right. They're not supposed to be your friends. They're not supposed they're, to be your yeah. exemplars. They are characters in a story. They're supposed to be imperfect or you don't have a story. Yeah, we're going back to the 40s and 50s when it comes to movies and TV shows that the bad people, they need to die or go to jail. It's become There's a moralism behind yeah. all of this yeah. and a naivete that I do not think speaks well for our culture. I agree. This, that's why I said it and that's why I won't back down from it, except to note that, yes, it is very possible to have mild parasocial responses to celebrity events. We all do. I'm not judging anybody for that. But when you credulously accept what is clearly a performance as some sort of statement on their private life and then get upset when their private life doesn't live up to that performance, no, that's not just getting involved in celebrity gossip. That is confusing art from life, literally. And when huge masses of people are doing this and then attacking everybody else online who isn't, you know, feeling the same way, yeah, I'm... I don't care if I sound judgmental on this point. I do feel it is bad for the culture. I agree. Regardless of whether I feel it's healthy psychologically for you, 
individual fandoms. I do think it's bad for the culture when when you lose any sense of uh, skepticism or cynicism when you when you don't understand the difference between art and life. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those things are bad things, and they're t- and like I said, they're tied up in things like conspiracy. It's the same mindset that you get online, you get in these communities, and they foster these this thinking in you that over time becomes less and less attached to reality. Um, fandoms might seem relatively benign next to something like QAnon, and they are. They truly are. They're not storming the Capitol. <laughs> you know what I mean? And right. people are not refusing to get vaccines because they're Ted Lasso fans or whatever. Um, but they, it is part and parcel of the same sort of movement in American culture um, in the 21st century. This, this um, The death of expertise, the, the, the rejection of, um, you know, objective reality basically for a reality that you find more comforting or for a reality and what happens is that reality when it disappoints you you lash out at it you lash out at reality so i'm sorry to overstate this but it is i do believe all of this i have been turning this all over in my head all week long since this blow up on social media right sirens i don't know if our mics are picking them up but it sounds like we're in a war zone right now um but that I did want to explain that I I don't care that people were mean to me on Twitter. It's part of my job. Um, but I did want to sort of give this contextual explanation of first off where we're coming from as fan bloggers turn right. writers, what it's like to have to have spent 15 years dealing with blowback from fandoms. It's almost a daily part of our lives. Um, I mean, someone told us to shut the fuck up about Jennifer Lopez on Facebook today, and we didn't even say anything bad about her. Um, <laughs> Did they? Yeah. <laughs> I haven't seen it's that just, yet. It's part of the job, and oh at this God. point, I, like I said, Charlie Warzel's <laughs> writing on, on Contacts Collapse and all of that, it has really helped me understand to pull back from that sort of thing. When, when, when the context has collapsed around your tweet, you can spend all day trying to explain it to thousands of people, or you can just back off it. Um, I remember as a joke, uh, many years ago, I, I posted on Twitter, uh, I don't like strawberry ice cream, just to see the reaction. And it was absurd. <laughs> the replies yeah. were insane. I'm yeah. like, all right, you made, I made my point here. I'm just going to move on to something else. Like I said, um, I don't mind if you, not that I don't mind, I don't care if you, if you mean or if you nasty or say, you know, horrible things. It's when you misinterpret what I said, when you use what I said to you know further something else that has nothing to do with what i just said that that's when i get very annoyed and uh, sometimes i delete it i delete it if you see it and then i I delete it it's because i'm just not in the mood to take it anyway i think that's our thoughts on on celebrity on parasocial relationships on um our slight this goes sort of is hand in hand with some of our Ted Lasso comments of a couple of podcasts ago, our slight disappointment with some culture writers who I feel are normalizing this bullshit instead of, I think they're afraid. And I've, I've read pieces in Vox, Slate and Vulture, I believe in the past three or four days that was basically like, well, parasocial, they're normal and it's a pandemic and they're just are, afraid the backlash. Yeah. And I think it's a lot of that is just fear of backlash. And, um, I got to say, we have not spent our careers being mm. afraid of fandom backlashes. We've taken them on. And I think it has a not only not just a backlash uh, towards them, the writer, but also the publication. 
They don't want to affect the publication. Yeah. They yeah. don't want them. They don't want all these people go against the publication, not just the writer, but the publication also. This is why I <clears throat> firmly stand <throat> on my point, and, and I'll reiterate it again and again. Nothing against my colleagues in, quote unquote, the mainstream media, but right. uh, this is why it's always good to support at least a few independent media yes, outlets yes, like I ours. Agree. Because we're not worried about advertisers. We're not pissed off. We're not worried about pissing off fandoms or even there was a time when I think we used to worry about pissing off designers. But even that's not. No, that's no not I'm sorry. Anymore. We've been here for yeah. 15 years. We're established. We'll say what we want to say. Right, and we'll right. take the blowback when it comes. But I'm standing firm on this whole idea about parasocial relationships. Yes. Um, you should, I feel people should be more cynical when it comes to celebrity and show a bit more understanding of how um, constructed and false most of their art yeah. is. It's yeah. not who they are. It's what they're performing. And those things, even though I understand it, a lot of the pieces that we're um, defending it this week were saying that celebrities... They deliberately cultivate this. Well, of course they do. It's right. to their yeah. benefit to cultivate these things. But it is you as a yes. as a media, as a member of the public, as a consumer of media, you need to approach these things with some skepticism instead right. of, yes. they are yes. millionaires protecting their very, very lucrative brands constantly. Yes. Even John Mulaney, the nice guy who you, whatever, who reminded you of your boyfriend or whatever, he's still a very wealthy performer who is protecting a brand, not telling you his life story. You have to remember the celebrities in general, especially the big ones, They nothing comes out of their mouth occasionally, but most of the time everything is planned, calculated, everything has been discussed many, many times. Well, when it comes to their performances, yes. Yeah, but decisions or things they, you know... Right. Um, when, when Professional. You, yes, when you see them together, that has been discussed, like Ben Affleck and, and, and Jennifer Lopez, that has been discussed many, many weeks before you even saw pictures, If how they were going to approach this, how they're going to introduce the subject to the public all that type of stuff um one thing i've learned to do, uh, one thing i've been doing on twitter lately something i've learned is that when i see something i don't react immediately i wait a little bit before i can if i feel like reacting because you never know sometimes you just you, you're not getting the full picture uh you need a little more time to you know understand what's going on and and, and protest or you know say something against it Agreed. Um, so I think we've done yes. everything we're going to do. Uh, let us know what you think about this. If we're being too harsh or judgmental, I accept it. Um, part of my job is to put uh, opinions and thoughts out in the world and then accept the blowback. Right. So I understand if this might sound a little personal and a little judgmental, but I hope we've explained that we have professional reasons for thinking this. Right. And that we have, you know philosophical reasons for thinking it's bad for the culture if you mm -hmm. don't address this. Right. If you normalize this, it's not good for anybody. Um, I am a big supporter of public skepticism and cynicism. Uh, I think cynicism has become a dirty word in the last 10 years or so, since the Obama era, roughly. Um, and I think it's time to bring it back. <laughs> I think it's time to really start encouraging people mm. to be cynical again. I mean, if the last 18 months hasn't encouraged you to be cynical, what the hell? I, know, I mean, dude. if you're retreating more into your fantasies after it, this, the last 18 months, again, that might not be good for you. That might not be good for culture. All right. And on that note, Kitten, let us know what you think. Yes, please uh, Because do. we gave you a lot to think about this week. Um, and until next week, when we'll be back with whatever crosses our eyes across our desk, please take care of yourself and stay safe. Love you. Mean it. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.